Well, good morning from our online campus and happy Easter. Jesus is risen and today we're going to celebrate what the resurrection means to you and to me and to the rest of this world. Uh, Today is a special day for those of us who follow Jesus because it means that because Jesus lived and died and rose again for us, that we're also able to to raise again um, on that final day. And it's a day that we look to, that this Easter is a day that we look to and remember our Savior's sacrifice on the cross. But it's also a celebration of things to come because we we know that Jesus didn't stay in the grave. Hallelujah. Easter isn't just a time for the church, though, either, just to celebrate the the risen Lord. It's also a time that the gospel is on display, like few other times around the year, for people around the world that don't know Jesus to hear the story of the gospel. And if that's you today, if you've tuned in today for the first time at our church, or maybe you've taken advantage of this online church thing that's been happening, or maybe you're checking in and from the safety of your own living room, I just want to take a second and celebrate you this morning. Thank you for joining us. God's got a plan for you. God's got something special for you through the word this morning. There there are people that are this morning praying specifically for you this morning. And so no matter what we may be going through, no matter where we're at in life, no matter what tragedy we find ourselves in or crisis, no matter what circumstances in this life that we're in, one thing is for sure today is that we can celebrate the hope that Jesus rose from the grave, defeating death, bringing new life to us and to those who receive Christ, those who receive the eternal life that is found in Jesus. And at the center of Christianity, as I read scripture and as you read scripture, at the center of of Christianity is not a, a new moral code or a new perspective on life, but an empty tomb that literally changes everything. Now, moral, moral righteousness is not the way back to God, no matter what you may have been told or what you may be feeling. Um, the, 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 the thought process is, if I'm good enough, God may accept me. If I do enough, God will reward me. And that's what every religion on the face of this planet teaches. And this is what sets our faith in Jesus apart from every other religion on this planet. Religion creates this appeal of moral self-reform that Satan deceives us into thinking that 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 will vindicate us before God. Well, spoiler alert here, this, that's a trap. It's a trap. This is what religion teaches. It teaches us, I can do good. God will be impressed. Religion must help. Well, listen, Jesus didn't come to fulfill the promises made in Scripture so that you and I could be better versions of ourselves or be good. No, Jesus came not to make you good, but to make you alive. He came and lived the life you were meant to live in in perfect submission to the Father, died the death that was meant for you, that you deserve because of your sin, so that you can have access to all the things that Jesus deserves. The Bible calls this an inheritance, and we're going to read about this in 1 Peter shortly. So, So today, on Easter, we celebrate the resurrection, because the resurrection proves to us that Jesus is who he says he is. It proves to us that Jesus didn't come to make you better, but he came to make you alive. Ephesians 2 tells us that before we met Christ, well, we were dead in our sins. But when God sent Jesus to be the atoning sacrifice for our sins, atoning sacrifice basically means that Jesus made amends with God for us in our place. Whenever I was empty and bankrupt, I couldn't do it on my own. Jesus came and did it for me. He, he says we are made alive with Christ the moment that we meet Jesus. So if you're watching this morning and you're wondering what Easter is all about or what the gospel is all about, 
That's it. The resurrection is at the center of the gospel. It's the baseline for our faith. And that's what we're going to talk about this morning. So let's pray before we get going here. And I pray that you are um, having a good morning. So let's pray together. God, we love you. We thank you for today. We thank you for what today means, God, because you rose from the dead. Father, we're able to live a new life in Christ. We're able to be born again. We're able to be new creatures in you, Father. Lord, I pray this morning for everyone across our city, our county, our nation, God, our world, who may be tuning in this morning, Lord, that you would just speak a, uh, a life message into them, Father, that would, that would ignite something in their hearts that would bring new life to them, Father. I pray, Holy Spirit, that you would just penetrate every living room, Father, that, that of the people that are tuning in, Lord, that you would just speak a truth to us, Father, that we would be able to apply to our lives, God, that would just give us more faith, that would make the resurrection more real, God, that would make you more real to us so that we can follow you more closely and more um, um, efficiently, Lord. So we love you so much, and we pray that you would be with us during this time, Father, and it's in your name I pray, amen. So today, I want to start with a principle that my grandmother instilled in me as a little boy. Um, she used to tell me this. She says, the best way to really understand something is to go back to its starting point. And the best way to really understand something is to go back to its, its starting point. And this has always really stuck to me throughout my life. And what I've learned is that everything has a starting point. Your job, uh, every journey you take, every vacation you have, every, every living thing has a starting point. You have a starting point. Some of you were started on purpose. Others of you, it, it might have been an accident, but it's okay. We're glad you're here. Um, our faith has a starting point as well. I mean, our baseline for our belief is our starting point, is the resurrection. For many of us, the starting point of our faith may have been what your parents told you, or it may have been what the priest said, or it may have been what the Bible says. My hero in the faith, um, Dr. Billy Graham, he says, the Bible says it, I believe it, and that settles it. But if you're like me, you know, all of us listening on this live stream, you know that that's not good enough for a postmodern, post-Christian worldview that values science and reason over faith. So believe it or not, I mean, you look throughout Scripture, you can even see the Apostle Peter. And that's who we're going to focus in on today. The Apostle Peter, he seemed to have some questions of his own. Peter had always been a pretty trusting guy, you know, but he had one of those he had been one of the first guys on the scene to sign up for, to follow Jesus, and he took Jesus at his word, and he even recruited a bunch of other people to follow Jesus. But then Jesus went and was put on trial, and he was killed, and, and everything in, in Peter's world came crashing down. Jesus was not supposed to die. He was supposed to save the world. That's what the Messiah had come to do. How could God let this happen? How could God let his friend die? How could God let his, his, his leader die? And if, and if Jesus was so loving and in control, why had he left Peter and the other disciples alone by themselves in all this mess? This morning, you may be in a mess. You may be in a crisis. You may be asking God, Lord, why are you doing this? Why is this happening in my life? Why has this happened to me? Well, you look at Peter's life, you look at the disciples' life, and it's easier for you and I to answer some of these questions for Peter's life because Peter didn't have the context of knowing what was about to happen that we know. We know on Sunday that Jesus rose from the dead, but Friday and Saturday, Peter and the disciples and the women who went to see Jesus at the grave, they were all devastated, had no idea that this was about to change, and their entire lives were about to be rocked by the resurrection of Jesus and then put on mission for him. Well, Peter's struggle, you look at it, Peter's struggle got so bad on Friday that he even outright denied being a follower of Jesus, saying, I don't even know the man. But everything changed for him on Sunday morning. 
And so let's turn in our Bibles to, to Luke chapter 24. If you have your Bibles, and I hope you do, um, turn to Luke chapter 24. We're going to read verses 1 through 12 together as we get going here. And so um, if you turn there this morning, we'll read from verse 1 to verse 12. And it says this. On the first day of the week, very early in the morning, they came to the, to the tomb, bringing the spices that they had prepared. They found the stone rolled away from the tomb. They went in but did not find the body of the Lord Jesus. While they were perplexed about this, suddenly two men stood by them in dazzling clothes. So the women were terrified and bowed down to the ground. Why are you looking for the living among the dead? Asked the men. He is not here, but he is risen. Remember how he spoke to you when he was still in Galilee, saying it is necessary that the Son of Man be betrayed into the hands of sinful men, be crucified, and rise on the third day. And then they remembered his words. Returning from the tomb, they reported all these things to the eleven and to all the rest. Mary Magdalene, Joanna, mother, Mary the mother of James, and the other women with them were telling the apostles these things. But these words seemed like nonsense to them, and they did not believe the women. Peter, however, got up and ran to the tomb. When he stooped to look in, he saw only the linen clothes. So he ran away amazed at what had happened. So we see Peter walk into this tomb, a discouraged defeated doubter. And he walked out as one of the most important leaders of the church. From, so from this point on, the disciples were going to look to Peter to lead them. And, but, but Peter still didn't understand what was going on. He still didn't grasp what was happening. In John 20, verse 9, you can see it says that it says they didn't understand what the scripture meant that Jesus must rise from the dead. They didn't quite grasp it yet because they, they didn't have the Holy Spirit yet to give him the insight and the wisdom and the, to discern what was really happening. And so what was it that changed Peter? What had changed Peter from being a discouraged, defeated doubter to being a passionate follower of Jesus who was willing to die for Jesus? It wasn't some new revelation of some of Jesus' teachings. No, he had come face to face with a grave that should have had a body in it, but it didn't. So today I want to put us in Peter's shoes this morning um, as we go a little ways here. I want to, I want to put you in, in Peter's shoes because many of us, many of you, myself included, are like Peter. For anybody in the scriptures, I feel like I can relate to Peter the best. One who speaks out of turn, one, who, one who's very boisterous, one, who, one who's saying the wrong things at the wrong time, one who's doing, going out in front of Jesus and, instead of staying in step with him. Maybe like Peter, you feel like God may be disappointed with you. Maybe God's disappointed you. Maybe God didn't do the thing that you thought that he should do. Maybe God has done things in your life. Maybe he's been trying to do things in your life that you don't understand. Or maybe he hasn't done things the way that you thought they should be done. Or maybe you feel like that you may have disappointed him through your sin or through your doubt. Maybe you've found it that, 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 that condemnation is, is, is something more present in your life than the love and the grace of our Lord Jesus. Listen, Peter had denied Jesus so many times that he felt like their relationship was too far beyond repair. Have you ever felt like that? That your, your relationship with Jesus is beyond repair? Have you ever felt like that you have gone too far, done too many things too many times, repented so many times, asked for forgiveness over again for the same thing? Well, today I, wanna, I want to let Peter explain to you the implications of that empty tomb. The one that he walked in on Easter morning, I want to let him talk to you a little bit this morning as we read through the scriptures. And parts of the church 
have become so numb to the realness of the resurrection. So my question for you today is deep down, do you believe that Jesus rose from the dead? Do you believe that he has risen from the dead this morning? Deep down, is it something that you have settled in your heart that Jesus rose on that Easter morning, that he is ascending into heaven, he is sitting at the right hand of God our Father? Is it something that you have settled in your heart or is it something that has been given over to tradition? Because this morning, what I know is that the church around our country so many times is giving over to religion, has given over to just another day to celebrate, just something to say on Facebook, just something to talk about in church, to dress up pretty and take pictures and to hunt Easter eggs. But Jesus raising from the dead, if you put yourself in that tomb on that morning with Peter, standing there where a body should have been and it's not there, and we see or we remember that Jesus said that I must, I must die and raise again to defeat sin and defeat death, and we remember Remember those things, how does that change the way that you live? We are not able to stay the same once we come to that realization. Peter's life changed directions because of his realization of the resurrection, not because of something new that he had learned or, or understood, because of his realization in his heart and in his mind that Jesus had really raised, had been risen from the dead. He changed. A guy named Wolfhart Pennenberg said this, says the evidence of for Jesus' resurrection is so strong that nobody would question it except for two things. First, it's a very unusual event. And two, if you believe it happened, you have to change the way that you live. To Peter, the fact that the, of the resurrection, it meant three things. I just want to hit three things really quick this morning that changed the course of his life forever. The first thing, the resurrection meant to Peter, it meant that Jesus was who he says he was. Peter knew this. He's seen Jesus walk on water. He even walked out onto the water with Jesus a little ways before he lost faith. He had seen Jesus raised from the he had raised the dead. He raised Lazarus from the dead. He had seen Jesus heal the paralytic, heal the blind man, heal the sick girl. But now, Jesus rising from the dead changes everything. It wasn't just a secondhand thing. It was something that, that meant something deep to Peter. The resurrection didn't make Jesus the Son of God but it proved that he was. So you hear that? The resurrection didn't make Jesus the son of God. It just proved that he was. So if Jesus rose from the dead, then Jesus was who he claimed he was, regardless of how Peter contradicted, how it contradicted Peter's reality. In Peter's mind, is how does someone raise from the dead? How does someone die and then come back to life? It doesn't make sense in reality, but it contradicted everything that made sense. But Jesus rose from the dead, so it means that he is God. In Acts 4, Peter gets into a really heated argument with John um, with a bunch of other religious leaders, and they were saying that, the religious leaders were saying that there was no way that Jesus could be the Messiah because of X, Y, and Z. But look how Peter responds in Acts chapter 4, verses 19 to 20. You can write this down and look at it later. Um, Peter, Peter answered them, whether it's right in the sight of God for us to listen to you rather than to God, you decide. For we are unable to stop speaking about what? What we have seen and what we have heard. In other words, what he's saying is, look, guys, I'm not saying that I'm smarter than you. What I, I'm just saying I know what I saw and no offense to you. His coming back from the dead trumps all of your religious views. 
Let me ask you this this morning. To do a little thought experiment in your living rooms really quick. I don't know where you're at in your faith or what you're going through in your faith, but take whatever objection that you may have to faith in Christ. Take whatever objection that you may have to who Jesus is, whether that's there's too many religions in the world, um, there's, there's so much pain and suffering. How can there be a God with so much pain and suffering? Uh, the Bible says homosexuality is a sin. I can't live with that. How do I deal with that? Take whatever objection that you have to faith in Jesus and hold it on, hold on to it for a second. And suppose that you had been with Peter or with the women and been the first one to the empty tomb. Would you be willing to suspend those objections to live with some unanswered questions for a while? To see that, would you be able to live with some unanswered questions? Hebrews 11 tells us this, that faith is the substance of things hoped for and the evidence of things not seen. That's where some people jump ship and say, ah, well, but that's the problem. I can't go back to the tomb and see him resurrected. But even today, if you look at the world, if you look at scripture, there's the evidence for the resurrection is strong enough to reach a certain conclusion about it. Because you see, the breakdown is not the insufficiency of the evidence, but the breakdown is, is it's, it's the fear or the stubbornness that keeps us from considering it on its own terms. And one of, the, one of two things happens here is, one is that you refuse to even consider the evidence until God explains himself as if I'm in charge or if you're in charge, as if you, as if you refuse to consider the actual possibility that there is a God who runs the universe whose ways and understanding are higher than yours and mine. And that's pride. Or the second thing, you'll humble yourself before God and say, okay, God, I'll consider the evidence on its own terms, realizing that you may have ways of doing things that I might not be able to comprehend. Because we know faith is not having all the, the questions answered now. It's wrestling with the unexplained. It's knowing that the unexplainable has an explanation on the basis of the resurrection. So this morning, are you willing, in light of the resurrection, to doubt your doubts? The second thing, the first thing was Peter realized that Jesus was who he says he was. The second thing is Peter's past, he realized that Peter's past no longer defined who Peter was. Peter's past no longer defined him. From the outside looking in, Peter was messed up, man. I, listen, I'm right there with him, but this dude denied Jesus, denied knowing him, denied following him, said, I don't know who he is, I don't follow him, I don't like him. Who is, I, get away from him. He even cussed, cursed at this man, asked him about it. Like Peter thought he had messed up everything beyond repair. But the resurrection meant that Peter's shortcomings no longer defined him. One of my favorite passages of scripture is in 1 Peter chapter 1. If you want to turn there really fast, 1 Peter chapter 1, uh, we're going to read verses 3 through 4. And this is Peter post-resurrection. Uh, this is Peter after we've seen him jump into ministry. We've seen him change the world through the Holy Spirit. And it's, this is Peter talking about his experience with the resurrection and his experience of knowing Jesus. And this is what it looks like. It says this, Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. In his great mercy, he has given us new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead, which Peter had firsthand experience, and into an inheritance that can never perish, spoil, or fade. This inheritance is kept in heaven for you. And so there are two things in there that, that totally change how you look at your life. One is that God has given us a new birth. 
The second thing is a living hope. God is giving us a new birth into a living hope. And so I want to start this morning with what a, a living hope is. Your hope in this life is whatever you believe gains you acceptance before God. What do you put your hope in? What do you base your life on? What do you give your time, your money, your treasures, your talents? What do you give those things to? But most people believe that God's acceptance, like we talked about earlier, is based on how good they are or how well they, they keep the rules of their religion. And, and that may work fine for you until you fail, like Peter. And then you start wondering, well, well how good is good enough? Like, How good do I have to be? What scales do I base my goodness on? And so the gospel, guys, you see is, is that Jesus earned our acceptance on the cross. He, he paid the penalty for our sin. He paid the way into God's presence. He lived the life that I was meant to live from the beginning. He died the death for my payment for my sins on the cross. And there's nothing left for me to do other than to love him and to receive him and to walk in obedience with him. There's nothing else left for me to do. The only thing that I offer for this equation is my sin. The resurrection is God's declaration in Scripture that he has accepted Jesus' payment on our behalf. In the resurrection, God declared that Jesus' payment for us was sufficient. It's done. Jesus said on the cross, what did he say? It is finished. And now, now, right now, this morning, as you're sitting there drinking your coffee on your couch with your family, wherever you may be watching, Jesus is standing at the throne room of God, very much alive, testifying to that fact that his death on the cross and his resurrection from the grave is sufficient to save, is sufficient to raise us to life as well. The resurrection is the proof that the cross worked. The resurrection is the proof that the cross worked. Death and sin have and always will be defeated. In Christ, you've been set free. But my question for you this morning, Christian, do you live free? Do you live free? You've been set free by the blood of the Lamb, by the blood of Jesus. You've been set free. You've been raised to new life in Christ through, through believing in his resurrection, through walking in faith and obedience. But do you live in freedom? Peter says, I have a living hope kept in heaven for me. That's what Peter said. It's safe. The living Jesus stand there, stands there as my acceptance into heaven. And so whenever an accusation is brought against me by my enemy, Satan, a reason that I should be rejected from God's presence, Jesus said, I paid for that. I paid for that. I'm, and that's why I can stand here today before you and say, I am positive if I, if I die today, I will be in the presence of Jesus because he is my salvation. He is the one that paid my price. He is the one that rose again so that I might live and be born again. And most people, what happens in our culture, what happens is we believe that all religions teach the same thing, basically. Just different names and different times and different things like that. But our hope is not in how well we've lived, but in the hope of the cross and in his resurrection, so thank God in the, res in the resurrection, I am now, I now possess a living hope that is no longer based on me. It's no longer based on you, but it's based on what Jesus has done on the cross. More than that, man, Peter says in, Peter says in the resurrection, he says, I am born again, which means God has started the process of a new life in me. 
I'm a new creation. 2 Corinthians 5, 17 says that anyone who's in Christ is a new creation. The old is gone and the new has come. The power of the resurrection turned Peter from a, den- a denier of Jesus into Peter, the rock, the leader of the church. And that's the same power that's at work in you and in me if you're in Christ. Guys, listen, Connection Church Savannah is filled with people who have stories of a past. We all have a past. The God speaking to you right now has a past. And we're filled with some tragic mistakes. Some of us were on drugs. Some of us were unfaithful to our spouses. Some are kicked out of school. Some are spent time in jail. Some are filled with racism and bitterness and hate. But God changed their hearts. God changed their hearts and their lives, not because they were decent people, not because they were decent people who needed a second chance, but because they were dead people who needed to be alive, who needed to be made alive. And so do you feel like this morning that you're too messed up? Do you feel like God might not be interested in you because your mistakes and your addictions may be too severe? Your addictions may be too strong. Listen, God breathed life into Jesus' dead body. Jesus was dead. His heart had stopped beating. His brain had stopped moving. Listen, he breathed breathed love into the murderous Paul. Paul was going to kill Christians, but God came down through Jesus. Jesus showed himself to Paul and changed Paul's life. So when you believe this morning, if you're in your living room or if you're in your car, wherever you may be, and you know that you need to believe in Jesus this morning, when you believe, he will breathe new life into you as well if only you'll open your heart to him. And that leads me to the last thing today. The resurrection meant to Peter that his future was secure. No matter what happened, his future was secure in Christ. Peter says in verse 4 of 1 Peter 1, says, through the, through the resurrection, I now have an inheritance that can never spoil or fade. Never spoil or fade. One of the things you learn as you get older, when I, as I'm getting older, I'm learning, is that everything in life spoils, everything in life fades. There's three things that I can think of. One's wealth. Money, treasure. Wealth is very fragile. If you have kids, you know that to be true. There's things that, 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 that take money, and money, money is, is very hard to hold on to. The second thing that fades and spoils is health. Some of you may be watching this morning that may have been a great athlete at one point in your life, and you, rem- you reminisce about how good you were at a sport or an activity, and now you're a little bit older, and you're like, now I can hardly get out of bed without my back hurting, you know? And so you, you get older, things spoil, things fade. Some of you younger guys have no idea what we're talking about, but it's coming. The third thing is loved ones. People spoil and fade the person that you're married to, one day they're going to pass away. One thing we're learning about in life is that death is coming for us all. <laughs> we have a time limit on our lives. People have lost wives. People have lost husbands. People have lost mothers. People have lost fathers. People have lost children. You can't hold on to any of it. And the life of faith and unbelief are never more contrasted than in how the believer and the unbeliever approach that reality based off of the resurrection of Jesus. An atheist wrote a book once that says that he, as he approached death, the darkness that he'd always feared was finally overtaking him. There's no justice. There's no hope. Listen, if you're a person who doesn't know Jesus this morning and your life has been filled with tragedy, You're just going to have to endure that until death. There's no hope. 
But with Christ, there is hope. With Christ, you can look at the resurrection and say, this is not the end. This is not all there is. There's more to this. And you can contrast that way of thinking with a lady who was a speaker, who was an evangelist, who, who's an author. Her name is Joni Erickson Tata, who was in a diving accident and resulted in her being paralyzed and bound to a wheelchair. Her story's incredible. Go read it. And I heard an interview she did one time in a church where she talked about how she felt when she couldn't walk or run anymore. I couldn't imagine. She says, one day I caught myself envying people who knelt to pray. And then it occurred to me, the first thing I'll do with my new legs is drop to my glorified knees and worship Jesus who saved me. And then I'll do a backflip. Guys, that's the assurance of resurrection. That's the assurance of salvation. So what are you going to do? What are you going to hope in when death overtakes you? Because this is what I understand. We love to celebrate resurrection. We love to celebrate new life, but we rarely understand and come to grips and come to terms with death. Before Jesus brings anything to life, it has to die. For us to live this morning in a place where we're, we are being resurrected into new life, we have to face whatever it is that we've been holding on to for years or days or months or weeks, and we have to let that thing die so that Jesus can bring us alive, so there can be a resurrection in our life. And what do you do? That's the question is, what do you do when life treats you poorly? What do you do when life makes you feel worthless? You defy those lives of the resurrection. You point to Jesus. The cross and the resurrection, you heard it this morning, has the final word. You preach to yourself that in the resurrection, this life is not your home. The devil and all his demons are liars. This temporary existence is not your future. You are loved by the king of kings, cherished by him, and he's coming back for you one day. Easter means God cares for you. Easter means God loves you. He loves you beyond your imagination. It means he keeps his promises. Look throughout scripture. He proved it through not only putting Jesus on a cross for you, but also by raising him from the dead, defeating death. He put death to death. The resurrection is God's promises of what he is making us into and that he will return for us one day to make all things new. And that's the reason we're going, to, we're going to participate in communion this morning as a body. I pray that you've had time to, to go find some um, communion supplies this week at some point. Um, if you don't, um, anything will work in your house. We're going to use grape juice and bread here. Um, but the people that are here, the band, some of the guys that are, that are running sound and production, we're going to uh, participate in communion together. But I pray that you, as a, as a family or as roommates, or if you're by yourself, you can even do communion alone. That's perfectly fine. And we're going to do a demonstration here in just a second. But first, I want to read Luke chapter 20 verses 14 through 20, where it talks about Jesus in the upper room as he's taking the Lord's Supper before he dies. It says, when the hour came, he reclined at the table and the apostles with him. Then Jesus said to them, I have fervently desired to eat this Passover with you before I'd suffer. For I tell you, I will not eat it again until it is fulfilled in the kingdom of God. Then he took the cup and after giving thanks, he said, take this and share it among yourselves. For I tell you, from now on, I will not drink of the fruit of the vine until the kingdom of God comes. And he took bread, gave thanks, broke it, gave it to them. This is my body, which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, he also took the cup after the supper and said, this cup 
is the new covenant in my blood, which is poured out for you. And so today across our area, across our state, across our nation, wherever you may be watching, wherever you may be, we're going to receive communion together as a body of Christ. And that connection, we believe that this sacrament is, is reserved for followers of Jesus. Um, so if you're not a follower of Jesus this morning, that's okay for right now. We want to ask that, that you refrain from this part of the service and use this time to reflect on the scripture that's been read today, as well as pray that God reveal himself to you during this time. And so just really pray, God, God, if you're real, show yourself to me. God, make the re- resurrection real to me this morning. Say those prayers as we're doing this together as a church. And then in a moment, we're going to come back and I want to talk to you personally. For those receiving communion today, those, the Lord's Supper, we want to ask that the husbands and the fathers serve your families as the leaders of your home through prayer and leading your t- family in this time. If you're single or at home alone, we ask that you serve yourselves. If you have roommates, serve one another, love one another in that way. And remember the sacrifice of our Lord because of this resurrection that we, have to, we get to have new life, looking forward to his new coming because that is what communion is. It's remembering, it's looking back on what Christ did on the cross and rising from the dead, and it's looking forward, proclaiming the day of his return. And so let's do this together as a church. I'm gonna ask Brett to come, and I'm gonna do a demonstration um, for you guys at home, for you guys who don't feel comfortable doing this. Um, So basically, we're gonna take bread, and we have grape juice, and this is how I'm gonna serve Brett. Brett, this is the body of Christ broken for you. This is the blood of our Lord Jesus poured out for you. Amen. So we're going to go for here in a second, and we're going to um, take communion together here, and I pray that you're going to do this at home. Um, There's going to be some music playing. Just take this time to to spend with your family in worship as we look forward to to Christ coming, his return, but also looking back on what the resurrection means for our body. What an awesome time to be able to share that together as a body, even when we're not gathered. Um, I pray that that was a special time with you and your family. I pray that God uh, bless that time with you in, in, in your homes, and I pray that will become a more regular thing for you. Um, guys, what we talked about this morning is faith has a starting point, a basis, and that's the resurrection. The resurrection tells me that Jesus is who he says he is, It says that my past doesn't define my future. And it says that in Christ, my future is secure in him. He's making you into something new. He is coming back for you. It's my heart this morning that you understand is when Luke wanted to summarize the apostles' message, he chose one word, the resurrection. It, It covered everything. The resurrection is a gift to all who would receive it, but you have to receive it. You have to to receive the love that Jesus poured out. And something interesting this week as I was reading um, a 412 reading plan in Joshua chapter 18, verses three, something really stuck out to me is that the, uh, God had led the Israelites into the promised land and they were dividing the land up and into the different tribes and different um, different areas. And so what, what Joshua had noticed was there were seven tribes that that had not divided up their inheritance yet. And so as I was reading this, it said in verse three, it says, Joshua asked the Israelites, how long will you delay going out to take possession of the land that the Lord, the God of your fathers gave you? And it really hit me. 
it really showed me some things in my life that some promises that God has made to me that I haven't gone out and taken possession of because of fear or because of laziness or because of I wanted to be in control. And I have, I've delayed in taking possession of some of the things that God has given me in Jesus. And so this morning, you may not know Christ. You may be in a place where you know that you're not a believer in Jesus, but you know this morning on this Easter is a time that you want to surrender your life to Jesus. You know that today is the day. You know that today is this morning is the day that God has preordained for you to come to him and to say yes to the, to the gift that God has given you. So this morning, my prayer for you is that you would just be able to receive Christ because Jesus wants to save you. He wants to transform your heart into his image and to make you into a new creation by putting a new spirit inside of you. And so this morning, if that's you, I pray that you, know, that you would be bold. In our church, we usually ask people to raise their hand to allow people to pray. And what happens usually is our, 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 our congregation erupts in praise and glory to the Lord. We give the glory to Jesus for, for people who come into the family. And what happens is we celebrate because the Bible says that, that the angels celebrate when one comes to him, whenever the one comes back to the Father. And so this morning, if that's you, if you know that you need Jesus, you, all you simply have to do is repent and turn to him, saying, Jesus, I know that I'm a sinner. God, I know that I have, I have gone astray. I know that I have gone my way and I've, I've done wrong. Father, I know that I need a Savior, and I know that is you, Jesus. And so this morning, I just receive you into my life. I receive your, your truth into my life as fact. God, I know that you have died on the cross. I know that you have risen from the grave. And I know that you're coming back one day. And I receive that into my life, into my heart. And I want to change the way that I live. And I'm turning to you, Father, for that. And I'm trusting in that with you, Father, this morning. So if you, or if that's what you're saying in your heart this morning, if that's what you want to do, I just want to ask you to put something in the comments that says, today I trusted Jesus, and that's it. And we want to celebrate with you because we know this is a big day, and we know that this your life is about to change. We want to walk with you and help you take your next steps. For those of you at home who have just kind of have been here from the beginning, I just want to encourage you to look deeper into the resurrection. Look deeper into the truths of Scripture because the Bible is living and active. It's sharper than two any two edged sword and it will cut deep into our hearts and will show us the truth of who Christ is to us even as believers and followers of Jesus and he'll take us deeper and and further than we ever thought or imagined and the only thing that we have to do is take possession of what God has already promised us in the resurrection so this morning thank you for coming thank you for being with us this morning I just want to pray and I just pray that you have a great week so God we just love you we thank you for today we thank you for Easter we thank you for the resurrection God I pray that the promises that are found in the resurrection that are found in this holiday God that we would be able to Take them to heart, God, and allow them to change our lives. God, help us to be hungry for your word, to be hungry for your presence, God, and to seek after you with everything that we have and to take possession of the inheritance that is ours in Jesus. Lord, we love you. We thank you for the victory that's found in the cross. God, we thank you for the freedom that's found in the resurrection. This morning, I pray for the hearts that need it. God, I pray that you would just speak into them today. In Jesus' name, amen. We're so thankful that you joined us for Easter this week. I pray that you would join us back here at the same time next week as we jump back into a, a series that we've, we've been going through the most part of this year. It's called Witness. It's going through the book of Acts. And we'll be jumping back into that next week. So we hope to see you here. Have a great day.